Welcome to the Awaken Podcast. We are so happy that you have decided to join us. Hopefully, you will find the next few minutes challenging and refreshing as we consider together how God is asking us to respond to His grace. If you are listening because you are unable to join us at our physical location, thank you for keeping in step with us, and we will look forward to seeing you in person next Sunday. If you are joining us from outside of Anchorage, then please drop us a line and let us know where you are listening in from. We would love the opportunity to connect with you. If you are exploring faith for the first time or just trying to figure out what Awaken is about, please don't hesitate to drop us a line and introduce yourself. We welcome any question you might have about life, the Christian faith, or Awaken Church. May God be with you as you listen. We're gathered because we know your promises do not fail. We trust that the way you've acted in history stories recorded in the Bible, those things will happen again, do happen again and again in our own lives. So Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. We ask that you would help us respond to your faithfulness by being faithful ourselves. I pray for those in the room who are right now in very difficult circumstances. I pray that you would help them to remain faithful to you that you would help them trust in your faithfulness to them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. even need to tell people what they need to do. People are sitting down, kids are leaving. Is there a Sawyer in the house? Uh, music stand, sorry. Not a mic stand. This is a test. Is there a Sawyer in the house? Sawyer, if you could bring your parents up, that would be awesome. So cool. Uh, I'm going to read from Jeremiah 29 11. Um, some of you might be familiar with this verse. I just thought it might be appropriate as we're going through prophecy uh, today. Uh, one of the statements that God is saying through the prophet Jeremiah to the nation of Israel as they've, diffi- as they've experienced some difficult times and will in the future as I'm sure Sawyer will. Um, He says, For I know the plans I have for you. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And uh, one of the things we learn from prophecy is the heart of God, not just that he um, is awesome and that he knows the future, but we learn the heart of God. Uh, which is for an amazing future. 
Well, Caleb and Krista, um, in order for you guys to dedicate Sawyer, um, if you would listen carefully and uh, commit to these things. Um, It will be your duty as parents to teach your child early the fear of the Lord, to watch over his education, that he would not be led astray by false teachings or doctrines, and to direct his mind to the Holy Scriptures as expressing the will and authority of God for all people, and to direct his feet to the sanctuary to restrain him from evil associates and habits, and as much as you are able to bring him up in the Lord's discipline and instruction. Uh, If you will endeavor to do so, please say, we will. Um, If uh, you guys would stand up right now. Um, We're a part of this too, and uh, we join in this vow uh, with Caleb and and Krista. Um, Brothers and sisters of the household of faith, um, I commend to your love and care this child whom we will dedicate to God and to his service. Will you endeavor so to live that he would grow in the knowledge and love of God, the Father, through our Savior, Jesus Christ? Will you so live your lives that this child will be surrounded by steadfast love, established in faith, and nurtured in the way of life eternal? If so, say, we will. So you have a team. Hold Sawyer. Wow. Oh, man, I'm sorry. Let me get that old hand off of you. Oh, man. Let's pray quickly a prayer of blessing. Um, Father, thank you for um, Sawyer. Uh, thank you for Caleb and Krista and their desire to see him uh, raised to become a godly man. Uh, Father, we know that uh, in this life he will have struggles and trials. Uh, as we do, as you put us through to refine our faith and to develop our courage. And we just pray, Lord, that through all those things, uh, that you would be with him, watching over him, that your favor would rest upon him. Um, Father, that he would know that you have an incredible hope for his future, that you have amazing plans uh, for him, that he would find his purpose in you early. And that he would shout it out. Um, So, Father, we dedicate um, Sawyer Harms in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. (laughs) What? (laughs) Oh, man. Congratulations, guys. Yeah. (laughs) Good work, Conagher. Yeah. In Isaiah chapter 46, and starting in verse 9, God says this through the prophet Isaiah. He says, Remember the things I have done in the past, for I alone am God. I am God, and there is none like me. Only I 
can tell you the future before it even happens. Everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. I will call a swift bird of prey from the east, a leader from a distant land to come and do my bidding. I have said that I would, I have said what I would do, and I will do it. Listen to me, you stubborn people. Not referring to you, this is the nation of Israel. Listen to me, you stubborn people who are so far from doing right. For I am ready to set, to set things right. Not in the distant future, but right now. I am ready to save Jerusalem and show my glory to Israel. Um, this is in the middle of God explaining through Isaiah all of the things that are going to happen to Jerusalem, the nation of Israel, if they do not pay attention, if they do not get a grip on the direction that they are going. And in the middle of all of this, God gives this invitation. For I am ready to set things right. Not in the distant future, but right now. And isn't this the thing that we find throughout Scripture, that God, He is ready in any moment to turn things around. He is ready to change things dramatically if we will come to a place of repentance, of getting it right before God. But this is only significant if what God says is really true. If he is the one who can tell the future before it even happens because he can do whatever he wants to do. And so if he says something will happen, he can make that thing happen just as he said it will happen. There's no getting around it because he is the supreme authority. Well, one of the ways that we know that is true is through the fulfillment of prophecy. If, for example, somebody says that something will happen, like the Kansas City Royals will win the World Series this year, and it doesn't come to pass, then that person is not God. But if that person says, like the worst team in the Major League uh, and I can't think of who that is. Probably the, the Braves, the Mariners. And if they win the World Series, then this person is either God or maybe has heard from God. Maybe. We start to think, oh, there's something here. And if they do that year after year, we're thinking that they're either paying somebody a lot of money or something's going on. But if, now, if, if somebody starts to, like, say how world events are going to go hundreds of years in advance, and then they end up going that way, then we actually start to get serious about this. Oh, wow. So, I don't know if any of you remember history with Russ. We had a gentleman in our church for a while. He's, I think he's still watching online from time to time. If he is, hello, Russ. It's good to see you. Uh, we, we may have found your replacement. Uh, we'll see. But uh, 
Russ's last Sunday was Gabrielle's first Sunday. Gabrielle, would you like to come forward, please? Everybody say, hello, Gabrielle. Yeah, get your mic on. So I was at a Young Life event, and Gabrielle said, oh, I, you know, I love Russ's presentation today. She proclaimed herself a total nerd and talked sure. about uh, becoming, maybe wanting to become an Egyptologist. Total nerd, right? <laughs> and uh, I said, well, you know, we're looking for a replacement for Russ. Maybe it's you. So we started talking about uh, some, some different things, and I asked her to research uh, some, uh, some of the prophecies in the Old Testament and talk to us a little bit about those. So without further ado, Gabrielle. Thank you, Levi. Can everyone hear me then? I think my mic is on, right? Okay, great. Um, yep, so my name is Gabrielle, and I was going to be an Egyptologist, but now I'm not. But I still have such a fascination with history. And so I'm going to be speaking about a few prophecies, because there are many in the Bible. Um, and I want to start out with a word of, from the Lord quoted in Scripture. If I can get that on the screen, please. If not, I'll just read it. It's 2 Chronicles 7.14. So it, God is speaking to Solomon, and he says to him, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will, he I will hear from heaven, and then I will forgive their sin and will hear their land. And this is, I would argue, at one of the, the pinnacle peaks of Israel um, when the Lord is speaking this to Solomon. And I think the pattern throughout Kings and Chronicles is at these peaks of comfortability and even throughout all of the Bible that people start to lose their way with God, that they start to give in to sin and other desires. Um, they, they start to not read scripture or meditate as much on it. And it leads them into deprivation and they become used to it. They become used to idolizing other things and soon it becomes normal to them. And then it becomes difficult to turn from their sin. So when I think of prophecy, I think of just absolute uncomfortability because people are being called higher and actually being called out for their sin. Um, so if I could title prophecy, I think I would say prophecy is uncomfortable. That these prophets did not live glamorous lives. Ezekiel laid on his side for X amount of days or some of their family, family members passed away and I just don't see the job of being a prophet as glamorous. And not everyone believed them. There was not an incentive to be a prophet. They were speaking against their own people, saying that destruction would come to their city if they did not turn from their ways of sin. So Jeremiah and Isaiah both prophesy the destruction of Israel. And in 597 BC about, Nebuchadnezzar comes and he seizes the city. And we do have a photo of Babylon, which is what the city Nebuchadnezzar represents. He's the king of Babylon. And Jews are deported to this amazing city. 
And when I think of Babylon, I think of a metropolitan area in like New York or Los Angeles or maybe even Atlanta. Shout out to Garrett. Uh, and so Nebuchadnezzar deports the Jews there. And the story that I've been meditating recently on is the story of Daniel. And if I could have the next slide, please. So this is the gate of Ishtar. And there is actually a piece of this gate in the Detroit Institute of Art Museum. And I've, I've seen one of the, the pieces of it. And these figures on the gate represent the god. And I have to look at this because it reminds me of Mushu from Mulan, but it's Muhushu. And it's a relative of the god Murdoch. And this god represents um, protection over the city. And it has scales like a snake, claws of the eagle, legs of a lion, and a tail ending in a scorpion. And so everyone who went to the city of Babylon would have had to pass through this, this gate that would have been probably five stories tall. And so it just represents the magnitude of this city. And for me, I've been thinking, and I'm sure most of you know Daniel, but for those who don't, the first chapter sets the precedent of Daniel's character. He refuses to eat meat, which has been um, sacrificed to the idols in Babylon. And it shows his character set apart from the other Jews who have been deported with him. Him and his three other friends who decide to take a stand against the culture and say, no, we will not do this. And my question has been, what set Daniel apart from the other Jews who probably ate the meat sacrificed to the idols? And I wonder if it's because he had a foundation in scripture. And then in Daniel 9, he references a prophecy that Jeremiah gave about the deportation and returning to Jerusalem in 70 years. And it also makes me wonder if Daniel believed the prophet Jeremiah. And I think this is pretty profound to think about, that there are few people in Israel who believe these prophets enough to set themselves apart in a giant city such as Babylon, in an empire that may have seemed that it would have lasted for years and years and years. And I do not think these people are much different than us as well that when we become comfortable and don't take scripture seriously or don't read it consistently or don't take the prophet seriously, that we begin to slip into cultural norms. And I think for my own heart, I've been questioning my own belief system in the culture we live in now compared to Daniel. And what price am I willing to pay to sacrifice my first love, which is loving God. And even Isaiah and Jeremiah prophesied the fall of Babylon, which occurs. And Daniel sees that through as Darius of Persia comes, and then King Cyrus comes. So even as I sang that song today, I will never forget your promises still stand. Great is your faithfulness. And it says, I will never forget. I think it's important for us 
to be rooted in scripture and to read these prophets and take them seriously because we must not forget. Because we are no different than the Jews in these stories that we as humans forget and we slip. And so I also think it's important to honor these prophets who lived before us as well and sacrificed their lives um, for the sake of their, their love for God. And so the main point that I've taken away from reflecting on Daniel is for me, I must humble myself and I must remember to read scripture and I must remember to take it seriously and to follow those convictions. So my prayer for this congregation too is that we are people of humility, that we are people who don't think our ways are better, that we believe God's word and we do not forget it as truth. So thank you very much for allowing me to come up here and, and share what I have to say about the histories. And also I wanna to say too that these histories of the deportation of Jews or even the destruction of Babylon are recorded in the upcoming empires, in Persian empires, in Greek. So these stories are true. And so thank you very much. Well, thanks, Gabrielle. So it's not just me that gets excited uh, about uh, some of these things. So uh, there, there are so many different things to research. For example, uh, Tyre and Sidon, uh, the prophecies against uh, those nations, Tyre, uh, you know, is like the Phoenician Empire. And, you know, if you, if you read in... Uh, you know, the, the Old Testament prophets, in the Old Testament prophecies, you see that there are some just incredibly specific things like, uh, for example, uh, all of the uh, stones and timbers uh, being thrown into the sea in order to uh, conquer the island of Tyre. And that's exactly what uh, Alexander the Great did like four or five hundred years after the prophecy is he took uh, you know all of the stuff from from the ruins of uh, the the mainland uh, capital city or not capital city but their mainland city that they had threw them all in the sea to make a bridge out to the island of Tyre so that he could overtake uh, Tyre. Uh, prophecies about uh, Babylon not ever being inhabited again and becoming swampland. Uh, these things have all become true, even though Saddam Hussein tried to rebuild, uh, you know, Babylon and, and put himself up as the, the you know, second coming of Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, all of those plans failed. They can't build in the area because the water table is too high. It's like a desert swamp land, but nonetheless, uh, there are so many things like this that if you dig into them, uh, for example, Nahum prophesies that the Ninevites, uh, they will be drunk off their rears uh, when they get captured and that their city will be uh, burnt. And so archaeologists, they, you know, his, historical record and archaeologists have confirmed these two things are actually true. There's a, an account of the king giving everybody a bunch of alcohol for a party because they didn't think they were going to get attacked. So they're celebrating, but the attack happens and the city is burnt to the ground. There's ash layer, a, a massive ash layer over this city as they do the archaeological digs. And so 
you know, we know that these things are written before they happen and they come to fruition. And that is very, very difficult to do. Like if you read the prophecy and you were going to try to somehow make it happen, the things that are prophesied are very, very difficult to make happen. Um, the reference that was put up earlier from Daniel uh, chapter 9, this is Daniel prophesying that there's going to be a set amount of days between the reestablishment of Israel and the coming of the Messiah. A set amount of days, right? This is like to the day prophecy. And so it's very interesting to go back and, and figure out when those dates were. And it's the exact amount of days between the proclamation uh, that is given to Nehemiah to reestablish Jerusalem and the moment of uh, Palm Sunday, Lamb Selection Day, when Jesus comes into uh, Jerusalem and for the first time does not deny uh, people's celebration of him as Messiah. So, uh, you know, those things are kind of hard to pull off. And so, you know, as we read in the scriptures, we see these things, as we research the history about them, we see God really is the one who can say what's going to happen before it happens. Because when he says something's going to happen, it will happen. So what does that mean for us? Right? We're not the next King Cyrus or something like that from the Old Testament. What does that mean for us? You know, your average Joe American Christian. What does that mean for us? Some of us are from America, I just realized. So uh, just your average Christian these days. Well, just think about it a little bit. Imagine for a moment that the God of the universe wants to reveal himself to his creation in this unique way. He wants them to be aware of him, but also requires this faith thing. Like God is is moved by faith. He's inspired by our faith. Like that's where, that's where God gets like joy and satisfaction from what he has done is when we exhibit faith. And so, you know, we've talked about before this universe is like a, it's like a big faith building machine. This is what God wants to see happen. He wants to see us taking steps of faith. He wants to see us trusting him more fully. And so imagine that that God, you don't have to imagine it because this is the story, uh, that God is trying to remind us over and over again in a bunch of different ways, you can trust me. You can trust me because the sun comes up every morning. You can trust me because as you study the reality that you're in, you will see that I am real. You will see that there's so many layers of complexity interwoven in this perfect way that there is, there absolutely has to be a designer. And if you, 
If you think about how things were designed, you will realize that the designer is good. And then I'm also going to give you the Bible. And I'm going to show you that this, this can only be from one source. This can only be from the all-powerful one, the one who is the creator. And the way I'm going to show you that is I'm going to show you that by I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. And hundreds of years later, it is going to happen exactly the way I said it was going to. There's going to be all kinds of human efforts to screw things up, to move things in a different direction. There's going to be all kinds of, like, spiritual forces effort to make things happen in a different way. But because I'm God, it's going to happen exactly the way that I said it was going to happen. And so when I give you a promise, you can trust that promise. When I say something is going to happen in a particular way, oh, you can trust that that is going to happen in that particular way. When I tell you, for example, that greater is the one in you than the one who is in the world, you can know with total absolute certainty that that is true. When you open up my word, you can know that the things you are reading are completely true, and you can live your life in freedom and in courage and in victory because you know that they are true. When you read a promise where God tells Joshua not to fear because he is with him, And when we discover that God is always with us and he is for us, then we can begin to live lives that are extraordinary, that are courageous. And so that's why we are encouraged by the prophecies. That's why we are encouraged by the scriptures because it grounds our faith. It makes us more brave, more bold in the way that we live. In Isaiah chapter 45 Uh, Verses 4 through 8. God says, And why have I called you for this work? Why did I call you by name when you did not know me? It is for the sake of Jacob, my servant Israel, my chosen one. Um, Maybe you're confused right now. And that's because I didn't tell you that God is talking about Cyrus, King Cyrus, who is not a Jewish guy. Uh, He is somebody a couple hundred years in the future who will rise up to overtake Babylon. Gabriel referenced this earlier. And uh, he's explaining why, why God would do something like this. I am the Lord. There is no other God. I have equipped you for battle, though you do not even know me. So all the world from east to west will know there is no other God. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I create the light and make the darkness. I send good times and bad times. I, the Lord, am the one who does these things. God's point in all of this is to regularly remind us that there is only one God. And think about our world. How many other options 
are there? There are lots of options, right? You could take a class on world religions and uh, you, could, you could go and sort of explore lots of other options. And God knows that the enemy is doing his best to convince us that God is not the one and only God. And so this is God's purpose for prophecy. Uh, right? We talked about prophecy being scary because it confronts our sin. And there is that element. Some of us get scared because, we, because of the, you know, the doom and the destruction that is often prophesied. But God's heart is not to necessarily to scare us, but is to prepare us, right? Maybe you've heard that before. And so in verse 8, God says, Open up, O heavens, and pour out your righteousness. Let the earth open wide so salvation and righteousness can sprout up together. I, the Lord, created them. Uh, this is the heart of the Father in prophecy. This is what his intent for us is. This is what he is after, to pour out salvation on us, to pour out freedom on us. So uh, I'm just going to close this by reading a couple sections from Psalm 119. Um, I hope that uh, you guys have been just working through Psalm 119. If you haven't been, it's not too late. You can catch up now. Uh, Psalm 119 is, I think it's like the longest chapter in the Bible. There are all these different stanzas. It's broken up. I think each one starts with like one of the letters from the Hebrew alphabet. Uh, but it's just about um, a desire, generally speaking. It's, it is just about um, praying that God will give us a desire for his word, for his way, for his, his commands to be in us, to be lived out by us. So I'm going to start in verse 73. Uh, David writes, you made me, you created me, now give me the sense to follow your commands. I bet you've prayed something similar like this before. <laughs> this is kind of how I pray it. Uh, God, did you know I'm your fault? <laughs> I, I really, I'm going to blame this one on, this one on you. Um, God knows what he's done in creating me. His promise is that he has a plan for me. He has hope for me. He has a future for me. He wants to pour out salvation on me and freedom. He wants to lead me into freedom. But if you're like me, you don't necessarily experience that every day and every moment and every situation. You're not just making the best decision every time. And so you might pray, you made me, you created me. Now would you please Give me the sense to follow your commands. I can see that it's right. I know that it's true. I understand, though, who I am and that it's very difficult to do the right thing in a lot of cases. But would you please give me the sense 
to follow your commands. May all who fear you find in me cause for joy. Man, I want to be a blessing to others. Uh, God, help me do that, for I've put my hope in your word. Right? I mean, I've, uh, and, and a lot of us here, all of us, hopefully, have really kind of put our hope in God's word. That the way that we're being asked to live is actually the best way to live. Because sometimes it doesn't feel like the best way to live. But the thing that can get us through those difficult times is for us to know that God's word is solid. I know, O oh Lord, that your regulations are fair. You disciplined me because I needed it. Right? This is like the child who grows up and you're 27 or so, and you finally realized it was okay for your parents to discipline you? And you realize, yep, I needed that, actually. How would I have turned out without it? Uh, Now let your unfailing love comfort me, just as you promised me your servant. Surround me with your tender mercies so I may live, for your instructions are my delight. Bring disgrace upon the arrogant people who lied about me. Meanwhile, I will concentrate on your commandments. That's like, Father, help me clear the fog, right? These people are saying this about me. This is going on over here. All these things are around me trying to tear me down. I think um, just multiple times, like in, in verse 85, which isn't up here, but in the next stanza, David says, these arrogant people who hate your instructions have dug, it, have dug deep pits to trap me, right? There's lots of traps out there for us. The enemy is against us, and the enemy has people on his side. Um, meanwhile, I will concentrate on your commandments. All right, that's how we cut through the fog. Meanwhile, I'm going to focus on what you've called me to do. Let me be united with all who fear you, with those who know your laws. May I be blameless in keeping your decrees, then I will never be ashamed. And so he finishes this thought with, man, unity. Give me unity. How important is that for us, right? Give me unity that I will never be ashamed. David knows that if he can get this right, he will be on solid ground. If he can get this right, there's not going to be any shame, no regrets. He is on solid footing. So my hope is that you would crack open your Bible. If you don't do this on a regular basis, that you would set aside 10 minutes every morning and read the Bible. That you would taste and see that the Lord is good. That after you read the Bible, that you would do everything you can to respond to what you read. That you would pray, God, help me do this thing that the scriptures are calling me to do. And so the reason we're talking about prophecy, textual accuracy, historical accuracy, so that you are reminded that this is the actual word of God. The creator of the universe has put this book together and preserved it for you and I to to be given life every day, for you and I to hear from him personally 
every day. And so I'm challenging myself, even if you have a regular habit of reading the Bible, to dive in deeper, to know that there is more there. The testimony of Christians so often that I hear is something like this. Man, I was reading and I've read that passage at least 10 times before and I didn't know this was in there. I'd never seen that before. The Bible is like that because God just brings things to light again and again in new and fresh ways into the specific situations that you are dealing with because his word is alive and active, more powerful than any two-edged sword. That's my hope, is that you'll read this book and that you will live this book because that's where the magic is at. That's where we experience the God of heaven, our creator. Please join me in prayer. Uh, Father, we pray that you would make us people of the book. Uh, Father, I confess the times when I've been distracted by busyness, so many different ways in which I've been taken away uh, from the discipline of reading the Bible and experiencing your love and mercy. So, Father, we ask that you would help each of us to dive deeper, to taste and see that you are good once again and again and again and again. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if you would please stand uh, from Hebrews chapter 13. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. All right, thank you guys. Have a wonderful week. Don't forget to read your Bible. Thank you again for listening. It is a joy to be able to share God's truth with you. Hopefully you found this teaching helpful to your understanding of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in today's world. And hopefully you are inspired to take a further step of faith. Please let us know how we can be praying for you as you continue your journey. If you live in the Anchorage area, you are welcome to join us any Sunday. And we have an Awaken 101 event every six weeks. And this is also a great way to find out more about our church. Please sign up for that event by going to the events tab at our website, awakenalaska.com, and looking for Awaken 101. Feel free to share this podcast with your friends, and we will see you next week.